0: Numbers chapter 9, beginning in verse 22, the Bible said whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in the camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or they traveled at the Lord's command. And they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. Psalms 23, verses 1 through 4. Everybody's familiar with this chapter. It'll read just a little different. New Living Translation. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and staff protect and comfort me. What I want to preach on this morning is I want to preach on GPS, amen, God's positioning service, GPS, we all have GPS's on our phones, in our cars, in our vehicles that gets us to the right destination, the right place on time so that. We don't have any problem finding where we're going. God has a GPS that He's put on your life. And I know that sometimes when you're going through struggles and you're going through battles and you're going through sickness and you're going through hardship, it's hard for you to realize that God is still directing your steps. But this morning... If the Lord will help me, I pray that I will show you and it will be an encouragement to your heart that God is in the positioning of His people. He sets us up and positions us to be blessed, to go forward, and to be victorious. So we're preaching on God's positioning service. We find in Numbers chapter 9 that we read to you that God told His people when to move and when to stay. Sometimes God had them on the move and then sometimes they stayed for quite a long period of time. God used their position to work out His purposes and His plan for the children of Israel. They had been in the wilderness for a year by this time, and they celebrated the second Passover. They were moving under God's direction toward the promised land. They were only moving when God directed them, when God moved upon them, when God gave them directions. Now as we look at the Psalms 23... The opening line of Psalms 23 is one of the most recognized phrases in all of literature. And every person that reads these words finds comfort in knowing that the Lord is my shepherd. When you make it personal and say that He's your shepherd, you can't find any more of a comforting verse in the Bible than Psalms 23 verse 1. If he's my shepherd, I have all that I need. If he's my shepherd, I don't have to worry about it because he's going to supply everything that I need. Then it tells us that our shepherd will lead us beside peaceful streams and he will guide us along the right paths. Even when I walk through the darkest valley and places that life can take you, you will not be... Be afraid because my shepherd is close by my side. Oh, I may feel like I'm going through the deepest, darkest, longest valley, longest tunnel with no light at the end, the longest struggle, the longest hardship, the longest storm, the longest sickness, the longest disturbance that I've ever been through in my life. But when you begin to know that He is your shepherd and to know that He's supplying your need, that He's leading us, besides still peaceful streams, that He's guiding us along the right paths, that even though the dark times does come, we will not fear because He's close by our side and He will protect and comfort me with His rod and with His staff. You see, it's easy to trust God when everything's going good. It's easy to trust God when everything's falling in place, when the bank account has extra money in it and the family is well and there's no conflicts going on among the family and nothing's but rainbows and sunny days ahead. It's easy to trust God when everything is going well. But it's hard to follow God sometimes when the bank account's overdrawn, and you're facing the possibility of losing the job that you've got 20 years invested in, and the kids are all sick, and then the car breaks down, and the roof on the house starts leaking, and then the washing machine goes out, and then the refrigerator dies, and you lose all of the $300 worth of groceries that you just bought and put in there, that's having a bad day you see you begin to ask yourself has God forgotten about me God do you really know where I'm at God do you really see the struggle I'm going through is he really looking out for my good when all these terrible things have come upon or touched my life God are you sure you're really there I want you to know that God is still at work even in our darkest hour, even during the worst struggles that we've ever been through in our, li- in our life. And I want to remind you what the Scripture said in Psalms 37 and 23. Again, this is the New Living Translation. It said, The Lord directs the step of the godly, and He delights in every detail of their lives. And though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. I got news for you. He's still ordering your steps. He's still walking beside you. And He's holding your hand. Even in the dark times, even in the bad times, even in the hardship, even in the battle, even in the storm. And then Paul wrote in Romans 8 and 31, in part B of that verse, he said, If God is for us, who can be against us? Know that God is on your side this morning. I believe with all my heart that God still directs our steps. He lines up our, and our lives in position so that we can be blessed and we can come through every storm with victory and with power. I have some Bible characters this morning that I want us to examine part of their lives and I want us to look at that I believe will show you that even though these people in the Bible went through hardships and struggles and battles, God strategically placed them ever where they were at. It's hard sometimes to think that God's in it when you're miserable. It's hard to think that God has put you there when you're going through a hardship. But I want you to see this morning that God's trying to line you up for a blessing. The first person that I want to look at for a moment is Moses. Moses is listed listed as one of the heroes of the faith. Even though he made plenty of mistakes as a young man, he knew that God wanted him to deliver the people of Israel. That dream was in his heart. He knew that God had a plan for his life. He knew that God had a work for him to do. But he tried to do it in his own strength, and he went out and he killed a man. When you look in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, it said, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and he looked at their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And then he looked around to see if anyone was looking and he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now when Pharaoh heard of this matter he sought to kill Moses but Moses fled and dwelt in the land of Midian. You see Moses ended up spending 40 years on the backside of the desert in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nothing going on except just family, just herdsmen, just sheep, just flocks. That's all that was there. It looked like he had messed up God's plan. It looked like that he had uh, thrown a hand grenade in the middle of everything that God had laid out for him. (coughs) It looked like that he would have to stay there in defeat and mediocrity and loss and disappointment in the middle of the desert in the back of nowhere. But no, because God... Never gives up on us. How many know God never gives up on you? God never gives up on us. Forty years later, when God was ready to deliver the children of Israel, He didn't go find a younger guy. He didn't go find somebody that made fewer mistakes. He went right back to Moses. I'm sure that there was times during that 40 years when Moses felt like, Man, I failed. I messed up. I I disappointed God. I failed everything that God had lined up for me. I just messed up my life. I'm sure there was times that he told his family, Man, God had a calling on my life, but I made a mistake and I messed it up. I blew it. I was there one time. I was anointed. I knew what the power of God was, but I messed up and I blew it. But that's not what God saw in Moses at all. Matter of fact, he gave him another chance. When you look in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 2, it said, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight to why the bush does not burn. And so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called out to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. You see, God was saying, Moses, I hadn't forgot about you. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. You see, you thought that nobody knew where you were at on the back side of the desert where you spent 40 years, but I knew you were there the whole time because I've been lining things up and I've been preparing things to get ready for the time to be just right when I was ready to deliver my people and I knew that I had you on the back burner and I knew that I was going to call on you and I knew that you were going to do great things. I knew that I had a plan for you. I'm going to give you another chance to see it come to pass. And this time Moses rose up, fulfilled his calling, as the Lord was leading him and guiding him, and he wound up leading the Israelites out of Egypt, and he delivered them out of 450 years of slavery from the Egyptians, because he was obedient. But when he was back there in the middle of the desert, he thought it's over. It's done. How many times have you looked at your life and said, well, I knew God had a plan that I was going this direction, but somehow I wound up over here and now I'm messed up. How do I get from here back over here? How do I get back in line with what God's got for me? Do you realize that God, you may have messed up and you may have veered and you may have went off track and you may be somewhere you don't think nobody knows where you're at, but do you know you can never get out of the presence of God? Do you know you can never escape His power? You can never escape His presence? He knows where you're at. He still has a plan for you and when you begin to turn your heart, you see Moses turned his heart when he heard the voice of the angel and then he saw the bush burning and he said that makes me remember what the anointing was like that makes me remember what God spoke in my heart that makes me remember the promises that God put in my spirit that bush burning is a miracle I want a closer look I want to get close to the fire again I want to get rekindled again I want to get reanointed again and so he got a little closer to the fire so he could get a better look and when God got his attention with a bush burning that wasn't being consumed then God started talking to him he said I know where you've been I know where you're at and I know where you're going if you'll just so be obedient and Moses was God will never give up on us but he always is ready to give us a second chance. The next character I want to look at for just a moment is Joseph. We find in Genesis 37 the story about a young 17-year-old boy by the name of Joseph. He was the youngest son of Jacob. Jacob loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. He also had made him a coat of many colors and gave it to him as a gift. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of them, they hated him. They let bitterness rise up in their hearts. Now when Joseph's brother saw him coming toward them, their father had sent him out to see what was going on as they were tending to the herds and watering the herds. And as they looked up and saw Joseph coming, the Bible said they began to plot to kill him. They said we're tired of him. He's already told us the dream that he had that we were going to bow down to him and we were going to serve him and we were going to worship him. Who does he think he is? Just because he's the baby of the family don't give him any special privileges. Even though he's daddy's boy don't give him any special privileges. Just who does he think he is? I think we're just going to get rid of daddy's boy and we're going to get him out of the way. But then his older brother Reuben overheard them as they were plotting to kill Joseph. And he told them, he said, let's don't kill him. Let's don't shed blood. Let's just throw him into a pit and then we can decide what we want to do with him from there. So that's what they did. They agreed and they put him in a pit. Now here they are, they're eating supper and they're looking up and all of a sudden they heard the noise and they look up and they see a caravan of traders, Midianite traders, passing by, and they said, I tell you what, let's sell Joseph to these traders as a slave. He's tormented us, he's, he's bothered us, he's been a thorn in our flesh. Let's just make some money off of him. We'll take his coat, we'll dip it in some blood, we'll rip it up, we'll tell daddy that an animal destroyed him, that an animal killed him, and we won't have to worry about little brother anymore. That's what we'll do. So they sold him to the traders. Now as Joseph was about, was brought to Egypt, he was sold to a man by the name of Potiphar who was an officer of Pharaoh and a captain of the guard. Potiphar saw right, off the, right offhand that the Lord was with this young Hebrew man and that the Lord blessed everything that he put his hand to. So he put Joseph over all of his house. Everything that he had, he said, you're going to be the overseer. I've already saw the blessing of God. I've already saw the favor of God on your life. Everything you touch prospers. Everything you touch grows. Everything you, you touch happens. Good things happen. So I want you involved in my, in my everyday affairs. And so I'm putting you over everything. Now as each day when Joseph went to work in his master's house, of course, Potiphar's wife was there. And Potiphar's wife began to cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she even went as far as she said lie with me. But he refused every time that she made an advance toward him. And even though she was persistently pursuing after him every day. But finally, the day came when she caught him in the house with no other servants around. Nobody but him and her there. She said, today's the day. He walked in the house. She grabbed him by his clothes, tried to pull him down on her, but he pulled out of his coat, and he ran out of the house, and he fled. Now, she became furious because of his rejection. She got angrier and angrier the more she thought about it. So when her husband got home, she told Potiphar, she said, I just want to tell you what this Hebrew guy that you brought in here and put over our household has tried to do. He tried to attack me today. He tried to defile me. And as I got away from him, I got his coat right here. This is his. It belongs to him. Now, so Potiphar became angry, and he had Joseph thrown into prison. didn't matter if he was guilty or not. He just threw him in prison. So here he is. He's in prison. The Bible said that the Lord was with Joseph. How in the world could you think God's with me when I've done been betrayed by my brothers, I've done thro- been thrown in a pit, I've been sold as a slave, now I've been sold again to a man that I don't know here in Egypt, and now that I, I thought I had things going good, and now I've been lied on by his wife, and now here I am in prison, how in the world could God be for me? How in the world could his blessings be on my life? But the Bible said that the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor with the keeper of the prison. Now, right off the bat, the keeper of the prison, he received favor from the Lord and he said, man, there's something special about this young man. So he committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison and all the affairs of the prison. He handled all the day-to-day operations. He handled all the expenses. He handled all the meals. He handled all the prisoners' care. He handled everything about the prison. And everything he touched, God blessed. Everything that he touched, God prospered. Joseph spent 13 years in prison. How in the world can God bless me when I, he's let me sit in prison for 13 years? How in the world can I say that God's mercy is good and he's extended his hand to me when I'm sitting in prison after being lied on, deceived, and, and mocked, and betrayed by my own family? But while he was there, Pharaoh got angry with a couple of his servants. He got angrier, angry with his chief baker and his butler or his cupbearer. So he threw them in the prison with Joseph. Now while they're there, the butler and the baker, they had dreams and it disturbed them because they didn't know what the dreams meant and they couldn't figure it out. And so they they were talking to Joseph and he said, well, I can pray to the Lord and the Lord can help me have an understanding and I can interpret the dreams for you. And so he did and he told them all about their dreams and... He told the butler, he said, there's going to be a day that he's going to restore you back to your position and you're going to have the favor of Pharaoh again on your life and you're going to be his cupbearer once again and he's going to, to restore you back to your position. The baker said, yeah, that's good news. I won't mind. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. He said in three days he's going to take your head off and hang you from a tree and the bird's going to devour your carcass. He wasn't very happy with his report. But it all came to pass. It all happened just the way that Joseph had predicted and interpreted the dream. Now, here it is the baker was executed, the butler was taken out of the prison and restored back to Pharaoh. Now, Joseph told him, said, now, remember me when you get restored back to your position. Don't forget about me over here now. Don't forget about me in this prison. The cupbearer was restored back to his position, but he forgot about Joseph. There was two years he spent between the time that the butler left to the time that he was released. Because then, two years later, Pharaoh had a dream. Nobody in the land, none of his wise advisors, none of his court, none of his people could interpret the dream. And then the butler said, Hey, I remember Joseph that I was in prison with that interpreted my dream and the baker's dream and they both came to pass just as he said. Pharaoh said, Go get him. Bring him to me. I want him brought before me. I want to see this young man. I want to talk to him. He had Joseph brought before him, and he told him the dream that he had, and Joseph began to interpret. He said there's going to be 7 years of plenty that everything's going to prosper and the grain is going to be more and the vine's going to produce more than it ever has and everything's going to go well but then after that 7 years there's going to be 7 years of famine and if you don't save up and you don't put, you don't save from the first 7 years you won't survive the last 7 because there's going to be a great famine throughout the land and when the when Pharaoh heard these words and he heard the plan that Joseph told him He said, there is no one as wise as you and your God. He said, I'm going to put you over, I'm going to put you over all the affairs of Egypt, and I'm going to put you as second in command. There's nobody going to be over you but me. You're going to be right up under me. Joseph said, through his obedience, through his never losing his faith, saved a nation, but God strategically placed him in his position because he would not only save a nation, but he would also save his own family from starvation when the famine came and there was no food in the land. God strategically placed him in every situation he was in because he knew in the end he was going to put him second in command on the throne. He could have lost faith. He could have gave up. He could have got bitter. He could have got angry at God. He could have said, why are you let me go through all this? Why did you do this to me? Why did you let this happen to my life? But Joseph understood the principle that God is a God of completion and that he finishes what he starts. In the natural Joseph, he didn't have any reason to be encouraged. He didn't have any reason to be positive or hopeful. But Joseph wasn't focused on the natural. He he knew the God that he served was a supernatural God and had a plan for his life in the end some 13 years later because he believed because he stayed faithful he saw God bring to completion every dream that he had and fulfilled every dream in his heart because he was obedient did he go through some things? sure he did But he stayed faithful to the Lord, and God went through with his promise. One more character I want to look at for a moment. Let's look at one of the disciples of Christ named Philip. When you begin to read in Acts chapter 8, verse 5, it said, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria to preach Christ to them, and the multitude with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits cried with a loud voice and came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was great joy in the city. This was one of the greatest revivals that the people of Samaria had ever known. With people being delivered from demon spirits many people were healed in their bodies. This was a great outpouring of God's power. But right in the middle of a great outpouring of God's power, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and he said, Arise and go toward the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is nothing but desert. Here's Philip in the middle of a great revival. God's using him. There's miracles taking place in everything that's going on. There's people being healed. There's people being saved. There's people being delivered. There's not an evangelist I know that would be having a revival like that that would want to walk off and leave it, but yet God spoke to him and said, I want you to go down here and I want you to go to this place that's nothing but desert. Why would God do such a thing? Why would He move an anointed man that's seeing results and seeing people healed and seeing people saved and bring him out on a road in the middle of the desert? Because there was an Ethiopian man traveling on this road that needed to hear about Christ. You see, when you read on down through the story, beginning in verse 27, it said, So he arose and went, and behold, there was a man, an Ethiopian, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and was sitting in his chariot, and he was reading the writings of Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake his chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading the prophet prophet Isaiah's words. And he said to him, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, How can I understand unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And the place in the scripture which he was reading was he was led as a lamb, as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers and silent. And so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. Who will declare his generations for his life is taken from the earth? So the eunuch said and asked of you, said, of whom does this prophet say this? Is he talking about something that's going to happen to himself or some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and began at the scriptures that he was reading and he preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to a place where there was water. The eunuch said, See here, we've got some water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. What a powerful, powerful story. This shows us that God is pleased and joyous and happy when people receive His Word and whole cities are being saved, but He's also just as concerned for the one soul that's hanging in the balance out in the middle of nowhere on a deserted road. God cares just about the one just as much as He cared about the multitude in the city. God strategically placed Philip in the right location for him to be able to lead this man to Christ. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a coincidence. It was a divine intervention of God. God put Philip there. God sees us even when we feel like we're alone and forgotten in the middle of nowhere. But I want you to remember this. Put your trust in God. Because he may be trying to put you in a position of blessings by using his GPS. God is trying to position you. Well, pastor, how can you say that when all I'm doing is struggling and all I'm doing is fighting battles and all I'm doing is going through sickness and all I'm doing is just going through hardship one after another. How can you say that God's blessing me? From 39 years of being a Christian, this is what I've learned. One thing, anyway. When the devil is fighting me the hardest, it's when God is about to bless me the best. And your hardship may be a struggle. It may be a battle. It may be the hardest thing you've been through ever in your life. But if you will keep your trust in the Lord, God will position you to where you will be exalted, you will be blessed, and you will prosper physically, financially, and spiritually if you will allow God to position you. It doesn't mean that that position He's going to put you in is going to be a a position of comfort. It doesn't mean He's going to set you up on a palace somewhere and you're going to have servants and you're going to have everything you want handed to you. That's what we, in our Finite mind, that's what we think being blessed of God is. Everything being easy. Everything being handed to us. Everything being put right there in front of us that we don't have to work, we don't have to stretch our faith, we don't have to believe, we don't have to trust. All we've got to do is get up, eat, drink, be merry, and go about our day. But sometimes God positions us in places that's going to stretch our faith that's going to stretch our relationship, that's going to develop a much stronger and more powerful Christian than you were when you went in it. I'll never forget the things that Maria and I and Andrew and the family and our church went through when we were in South Alabama and we were hit with the flood. Been there three months, didn't know anybody, moved 190 miles away from everybody I knew, transferred my job. I was still a working pastor then. I worked 40 hours a week, pastored the church. Three months after I get there, the town's hit with a flood. that They have not seen a flood of that magnitude since 1929, and this was 1990 whole town's flooded my church sits about seven blocks off of the town square there's 10 foot of water in my sanctuary it looked like everything we had was gone everything we had was destroyed didn't even have a place to have church for the next four months I moved the living room furniture out of the parsonage and the dining room table out of the dining room there was an archway and I set chairs up in the living room and I set a uh, a music stand up in the dining room and I preached in the dining room and the congregation sat in my living room for four months. And I can't tell you the number of times that I said, God, why don't you put me in this place? I was obedient. I come to a place I couldn't even tell you where it was at on the map when I got the call. One of your former pastors was my DO, my district overseer, Steve Smith. He called me. He said... Brother Campbell, he said, the overseer gave me your name. I'm going to run your name. And said, I just want to know if it's okay. I said, where are you running it? He said, I'm running it at a church on my district. I'm down in southeast Alabama. And said, I'm running it at Elba. I said, where in God's name is Elba? He kind of gave me some details. He said, I'm taking the vote tomorrow night. I'll be calling you. I said, well, okay. I said, they don't know me down there. I've never preached in that neck of the woods. Nobody's heard me preach. Nobody knows me from Adam's house, Cat. I won't get that vote for nothing in the world. Two days later, my phone rung. It's Steve Smith again. He said, Brother Kimberly, he said, just wanted to tell you the good news. You got the vote. <laughs> he said, when can you be here? I said, well... I said, it's going to take some maneuvering. I said, I still have a job and work full time. And I said, I've got to see about getting my job transferred somewhere down there in that area. And right offhand, I can't even tell you where that's going to be. I said, but I'll come down there. It was a week before Thanksgiving. I said, I'll come down there and meet with the church clerk the Saturday after Thanksgiving. He said, he'll meet you at the church. He'll have the church keys waiting on you and you can start that Sunday. I said, oh boy. Three months later, my whole place is flooded with water. That'll take that that'll that'll knock the wind out of your sail. But in the midst of all of it, God helped us every step of the way. I didn't have a lot of people. Their church didn't run but forty people. Probably eighty percent of that was elderly folks on fixed income. But I saw a church and a group of people pull together and believe and trust God like I've never seen before. And being a young pastor, that was my fourth church I'd pastored. Being a young pastor, they got behind me, they got in there with me, and they supported me and they, we helped each other. Just because you're going through a hardship doesn't mean God hasn't positioned you for blessing. He did in every one of these examples I have gave you this morning. Don't count yourself out. God hadn't put you in a God-forsaken place and forgot about you. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. God says you have a future and you have a hope and I have a plan for you. And if you'll let me, I'll direct your steps.